Not long ago, a student came here to visit. She's actually engaged with one of the members of our community. I talked to her. She's, she's already graduated. She's doing research. I asked her what research you do. She's re researching the brain. What, you, what is brain? What do you do? That she tells me it's called PFC, front. Frontal cortex. Front, frontal cortex. Yeah. What do you see? I, I, I know about frontal cortex. I told her, can you speak English, please? That she tells me she's researching. There is a professor by the name Jordan Grafman, something like this, and he made a research on soldiers who came from Vietnam returned from Vietnam years later. And he saw that many people who get a con got a concussion during the war, or things like this, brain damage in the front mm -hmm. cortex, became more religious. Hmm. I hear this, I said, wow. I already, as, a, as, a, as she's talking to me about it, I think to myself, not a bad thing. I left like a little hammer and go around, and anybody is asking me too many questions, who says there is a God, instead of giving him hours and hours to prove him that there is a God, then come, come to my room, I need to give you a treatment. Give me a few little hits in his head, <laughs> and solve the problem, I'll become like a moil of the brain. Yeah. And if, 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 it's, if there is a place in your mind that makes you more religious, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Yep. Solve all the problems. When I start to, to dwell, delve a little bit more in this, in this business, the, the, the research scientists say that the front part of the frontal cortex of the person is the last one to be developed. A person, I think, up to the age 25. This is the part that makes the person be critical, that the person becomes innovative, innovation, all of this aim to think twice before he's doing something stupid. Then this researcher, this Jordan Goffman and others argue that when a person is getting an injury in his front, in front, in front cortex, he's losing the ability to be, to be critical, to ask questions. And therefore, he believes everything that, 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 that people tell him. And because of this, God, God, Torah, Torah, everything is true. Everybody believes in everything. Basically, being religious is a sign that you got a concussion. Something is wrong with you. That you lost your brain or you never had a brain. That's, that's what they wanted to say. No. Many years ago, I made a survey in, in, our, in our synagogue. I asked people, what is your favorite service? And somebody started to sing me. This is the last line that you sing when the service is over. Oleinu. He basically didn't have to give me many explanations. <laughs> That's his favorite service. He, he was honest with me. He said, the service is over. He's the happiest man on earth. He's ready for the Kiddush, for lunch. I, I realized, then, then, then I realized this even, you know, Rosh Hashanah, in the middle of the service, you, do, you say the Oleinu service. Mm -hmm. I said, please rise for Oleino. I saw big smiles. People thought that the, the service is over. They didn't realize that in Rosh Hashanah, you do it in the middle of the service, not in the end of the service. From here comes this prayer, Oleino Leshabeach. Oleino Leshabeach is the last prayer in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the service, in every service. 
the first paragraph, it's built of two paragraphs, composed of two paragraphs. The first paragraph is speaking about the past. The second paragraph is about the future. And for example, it's on page 85. The first paragraph is talking about we thanking God that he didn't make us like the all other nations, pagan, the pagans, that all worshiping idols. He separated us from us, and he made us recognize that there is a God, and we should serve God, the God who created heaven and earth, and, and, uh, and there is only one God, and nobody is like him, and we are a part of it, we are connected to him. We're taking God, for we, are become, we know what God is. We are connected to God. The second paragraph of Olenu, is about the future. We pray to God that it will come one day that he will remove idol worshiping from the, from the earth, from the world. And he will make tikkun olam. The word tikkun, the old about tikkun olam is from this paragraph. Let a ken olam be malchut shin yud. It should be fix the world the, under the kingdom of God. Tikkun olam means, you know what tikkun olam means? That people will recognize that there is, that there is a God. That's what tikkun olam is. Yeah, it's also to give to feed the sick and, and to feed the, the hungry and to cure the sick. But tikkun olam means the real meaning of tikkun olam is that the world should recognize that there is a God. Because when your person recognizes there is a God, he is accountable and he's trying to be nice and he's trying to do what God wants him. And that's really the second paragraph. And we end we end that with. Uh, with this famous Venemar, and what's the last line? And this day, God, is, God will be one, and his name will be one. It means to say, the whole world will recognize that God is one. Who, who, who composed this prayer? The Olin. Then the, there is, according to the Talmud, there was a guy with the name, the name, his name was Rav. Like a Rav, Rabbi? Rav. He was called Rav, he was, he was a Rabbi, his name was Abba, Rabbi Abba. Bar Abel. In any case, he was in Babylon in the third century. He was the chief, the chief rabbi of the Babylonian Jews. Okay. And he composed the prayer for, for Rosh Hashanah. Why compose the prayer for Rosh Hashanah? Because Rosh Hashanah is the day that you count God as the king of the universe. Yep. That's the day that we ask from God. God, make yourself visible. Make yourself felt in the world. Make a miracle or two or three that the world should know that you exist. You shouldn't have to go around and prove people that you're here. Give a shake. Right. Show off your miracles. Show off your good things. People should know that you're here. Now, there is in other places that's written that this prayer is, is, a, is Joshua composed it. Joshua, who led the Jewish people to the land of Israel when he conquered Jericho, he said seven times the prayers when the, seven, when the walls fell down. That's what it's written. And, uh, and that's why, that's, that's what, that's what the, that, that's all the explanation. Then the question is, make up your mind, people, rabbis, people say, rabbi, whatever you want, but just make up your mind. Rav did that, or Joshua did that? Mm-hmm. The answer is, Joshua made the basic, and Rav more composed it. Eh? Joshua said something, right? It doesn't necessarily be the same words. But here comes the big question. Rav composed it for the Rosh Hashanah service. How it became something that you day three times a day, a day in, every, in, every, in every service? Why it became in every service? There is some historians who argue that this happened by the Crusaders, during the time of the Crusades. The Crusades are from the 1100 to the 1300. There were the, the, the Christians who went 
to, to conquer, conquer the, as I could say, to conquer Jerusalem from the, from the, the Muslims. From the Muslims. And the way they wanted to make sure everybody's a good Christian, and whoever this doesn't want to be a good Christian will be dead. Mm-hmm. Who is the best targets? The Jews. They destroyed complete Jewish communities in Germany and other countries in Europe. The Jews during the time when they were burned alive or tortured, tortured and hanged for because they didn't want to convert to Christianity, mm-hmm. they used to sing Olein on the Shabbat. There's a story in a city, it's called Blois in France. Terry people, a whole community, was marched to their death. They were singing Olein on the Shabbat. Because thank God that you are not, we are not like them. Then I don't think that the people who gave their life for Judaism had a, had, a, had a concussion. I don't think when Jews throughout history made big sacrifices, I'm talking about necessarily dying, made big sacrifices for Judaism and chose Jew, Jewish things over other things, it's coming from a, from a neurological deficiency. I think it's comes from a richness, from a spiritual richness. That's what I think. Every Jew and his, as in his out, a Jewish spark that pushes them to connect to Jews, to Judaism, to God. Why Yom Kippur? So many Jews come to show. What happens in Yom Kippur? God, even smart people, they cannot really explain you why they're here. Intellectually, they cannot explain it. But something in their heart is pulling them to synagogue. Why? Because on this day, God is revealing a love to the Jewish people that's above logic. Just, let, just as a parent loves his child. You ask a parent, why you love your child? The moment he gives an explanation, he violates the relationship. I love him because he's cute, and if he wouldn't be cute, he wouldn't love him. I love him because he's smart. If he wouldn't be smart, what do you mean, why you love him? To ask me, if you ask me such a question, you're offending me. Why I love my children? I don't need an explanation. There is no explanation for the love between God and the Jewish people. It's beyond logic. It's bigger than that. That on Yom Kippur, God starts to miss the people, and it's we, we are a reflection. To be, if you love a person very much, he will love you. It's impossible he should not love you. Impossible. Then when God shows such love to the Jewish people, we are drawn to the synagogue like, ma- like magnets. Oh, there is one more question. Why Olenu is by the end of the service? Yeah, we have to do it three times a day because of the... Oh, they say, then because the Jews during the Crusaders started to say Olenu, it became a favorite prayer by the Jewish people and as a way to respect the people, the Jews who died during this, gave the life of Judaism, we started to say the prayer every day. Mm-hmm. But why by the end of the service? When you look at the Olenu, you see something very interesting. The first, line, the first letter that starts is with the Ayn mm-hmm. and ends with the Dalet. There is a, what does this make together? The word Aid. Aid means a witness. There is another prayer who is like this. If you look at the Shema, in the Bible, the Shema is written in such a way that you can see it here. The Ayn of the Shema and the Dalet of the Echad is larger, you see? It's like this in the Bible too. You make the two letters together as the word aid, the same word, witness. What's behind this? What's witness? There is a 
God says in a prophecy, there is a prophecy, I think, from Isaiah, or Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, one of this. I think it's Isaiah. God says, Atem Eidai, you are my witnesses. Neum Hashem says God. What does this mean? God says that every Jew is, 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 a, is, is, a, is a witness of, it, of the existence of God. Why? It's from Isaiah, actually. Because... He violated his wishes, so... Why are we an existence and our witnesses? We are testimony that God exists, but why is it? Because every historian, every predictor, every future predictor, every, every fortune teller says that the Jews have no chance to survive. Every anti-Semite says, oh, give them 20 years, give them 50 years, they'll be gone. Yes, naturally we should be gone. Mm-hmm. And if we are in, we are witnesses that God exists. We are a testimony that it's only because of God. That if I'm here, my essence, my mere existence says God is here in the world. A Jew might be in church. And he thinks that nobody knows he's Jewish, by the way. And he converted to Christianity. He might be the best Christian. His existence, people know that he's Jewish. His existence is, if he's here, there's a proof that God is here. That everyone walks around, walks around in the street. God says, before we leave the service, we tell a Jew, you know, you're, an exi- you're, a, you're, a, you're a testimony of God, you're a witness of God. You're, a, you're an ambassador of the Jewish people. You're representing not only 15 million Jews who live who are alive today, you're representing all the history of the Jewish people. You're representing Moses and Maimonides and Rabbi Akiva and, and Abraham. But more than everybody, you're representing God himself. You're an ambassador of God on earth. And just as an ambassador, as a diplomatic immunity, we, every Jew, get the diplomatic immunity of God himself. With this immunity, you're, you're safe. Then make sure you're a good ambassador and you don't lose them. We should never lose the immunity.